Well, here we are. It's, uh, this is it. It's our final chance to tell you about NPR One and an app. You know NPR One? We can finally tell you that it is the place where you can find the best from public radio and beyond. You've tuned in each week hoping to find finally what NPR One is, and we're here to tell you it's an app for your phone uh, with things to listen to, curated podcasts and shows. Local stories. Uh, NPR One, the app, it's ready to make driving, cooking, or cleaning the house better. NPR One. It's NPR One. Find NPR One is on your app store. Hey, Jonathan, what can we help you with? Well, I've always wondered why my pinky finger sticks out when I take a sip of a drink. Is it for balance, much like a cat's tail? Uh, the pinky kind of seems to only serve the purpose of being a hand tail. Huh, yeah. I, I mean, you're, you're speaking as if this is an involuntary act. Yes. It is. It seems to be involuntary. Huh. I can't help but do it. My girlfriend can't help but do it. And even in the morning, she does it a little bit less because she's tired. (laughs) (laughs) So I wonder if cats have trouble balancing when they're tired as well. Secondary question. Well, are are you guys royalty? No, we're not royalty. I just think it's like a some sort of trait, or maybe the pinky's trying to get cut cut off somehow. Wow, and it's you say it's a reflex almost. It's a reflex, and when I'm not doing it, it feels very strange. Okay, I'm trying to hold back right now not working i wonder if uh jonathan when you were a baby if if your finger ever stuck out if you were i if you were drinking a bottle or if you were nursing (laughs) that's a good question i should ask my mom well jonathan this is uh i think this is a fascinating question cool well thank you i'm glad that you guys uh think so okay jonathan we have somebody who uh we think can help you it's william hansen he's an etiquette teacher and consultant based in the UK. So William, why do we stick out our pinkies when we drink? Well, correctly, we don't actually stick out our pinkies. There is a misconception that that we should stick out our little fingers when we are having a cup of tea, but actually it is a complete misnomer. However, there's a lot of history about this and and, uh, many different myths as to where it came from, but I can also give you the definitive answer, which may shock some people. Please. Well, well, we'll build up to the to the actual truth. But uh, teacups didn't used to have handles on them. It wasn't until sort of 1750 that, that the handle was added onto a teacup. And so you would hold them in a completely different way because obviously they'd be full of hot liquid. And so your, your little finger or, or certainly your last two fingers might extend a little bit, but not dramatically so. So that's one theory. Mm-hmm. Sort of okay with me. Then there's the school of thought that one of the French kings, uh, he supposedly had stiff joints and so when he was picking up his cup of tea after the sort of the, the 1750s uh, with a with the handle he was picking up the, the teacup and couldn't quite get all his fingers around it and the nobility not knowing all of the king's diseases thought well if the king is doing that we will do that too and so they copied and everybody started sticking their little fingers out but the actual reason and I hope you're sitting down and you're braced for this because it's a little bit a little bit racy uh, in France, in the 
days before they had the the kerfuffle of the revolution and the aristocracy were deposed, uh, they did enjoy uh, extracurricular activity. Uh, and, uh, you know, they were fairly sexually promiscuous. And so sexually transmitted infections were fairly commonplace. And so when you were having tea in court and in uh, high society, you would extend your little finger if you had a sexually transmitted infection to show healthy people that you had one. So it was a way of telling people if you had uh, an STD. What? Yes. That doesn't make any sense. So it'd be like a little flag saying, It was a little syphilis. flag to, to say, you know, uh, I'm perhaps not... Uh, not on the agenda, or if you have one too, you know, whatever, it was up to them. But if you look through the history books, that is is the one that there is most evidence that points towards. It may be a combination between all of those that that we've said, but uh, I think, you know, knowing what what went on in France then, I think it's certainly the most likely. That's fantastic. You're right. That is shocking. Mm. Yes. So never will anyone stick out their little finger again when having a a cup of lapsang souchong. So, but the the queen and the, the royal family they don't do this then they don't stick their fingers out no abs- absolutely not no they would you know if you went and, and had tea with with the queen and, and everything stops for tea at five o'clock in the royal household every day wherever the queen is and whichever of the palaces uh you would not be openly laughed at but certainly eyebrows would be raised would they call a doctor <laughs> well, they'd be they'd be uh, sterilizing your teacup after you'd left, I'm sure. Well, uh, thank you so much for talking with us. That's a pleasure. Thank you for saying thank you, Mike and uh, Ian. It's been lovely to talk to you. Hey, Alice, what can we help you with? Oh, well, my question was: my company they have a Christmas party every year. And the newbies, which is me this year, um, are supposed to create a game that can that everybody can play. And in the past few years, they've done trivia, mm-hmm. and that was really it's been really tiresome because we do it every single year. Yeah. So they want something new, and I was wondering, since you guys are creative, I was wondering if you could help me come up with something. Well, how, how many people are there in this company? Um, we're expecting like 80, 90 people. Okay. So that's a lot of people to entertain with one <laughs> one game. I know. All right. Well, we we are going to try and find a game that that you can play with with all of your coworkers. Ah, oh, thank you. Okay, Alice. So we we've been thinking about this a game that you could you could possibly play with a ton of people where everybody would would be allowed to participate. On the line with us now is Mikel Ferret. He competes in this Catalonian sport where they build human towers with tons of people. So, Mikhail, can you tell us what exactly are human towers? Uh, well, it started 200 years ago uh, in some villages around Barcelona, and uh, boys uh, started to compete one to another, and they started to build towers of six levels, seven levels. Every, each level is one person. Each level is one person, uh, uh, climbs one up to the shoulders, they climb the best group of human towers can reach towers of 10, even 10 levels high. 10 levels high. Each level, it's one person. Wow, so you have, you have people standing on top of each other, shoulder, my feet on your shoulders, up to 10 people high. Exactly. So, so watching, I, I've seen YouTube videos of this competition, and so each level of the tower is kind of a ring of people 
and then uh, people yep. climb up them and, and form the next ring of people. Um, in, in total, how many people are in a, a successful tall tower? In my, in my team, we are around 500 people, but every two years when we have this big competition, it's like the championship, it's like the Super Bowl, <laughs> we are around 1,000 people taking part and participating in, in, in the towers, in the wow. big, biggest towers that are 10 levels high. Boys and girls from five years old to 95 years old. No way. Everybody's welcome. Really? 95 yeah, years uh, old? Say, well, yeah, 90. Well, there's no, not on the base, but they, they still <laughs> follow uh, people. Um, if, you, if you feel in good health, so until 100 years old, uh, you can be a member. I mean, everybody's welcome and, and, and everybody has a position in the tower. So when, you're, when you are part of a tower, where are you? Yeah, I take part in the third base. You have first the biggest base on the bottom, then you have a second base that's uh, around 80 people, and the third base, we are around 30 people. So what does it feel like when there are, you know, oh, well. <laughs> five levels on top of you? A lot of excitement. Uh, I've been doing this for, for many years, and it's excitement. We, are, we feel very happy. When we, we, we finish a tower, the more difficult the tower we build, the more happy we are at the end. But does it hurt? Well, no, no, not, not really. I mean, it's, no. I mean, sometimes you can get some pain or sometimes it hurts, but not always. What, exactly. ha- what happens it's, when they fall down? Do they fall down? Well, sometimes. Sometimes the tower collapsed. That means that uh, some the structure was not well prepared, that you need a lot of people, hundreds of people on the foundation. You know, it's like the, the base of the tower, the people that stands on the base, uh, works as a mattress in case of a, a fall. Oh. The people on the uh, down, they protect. Uh, so you, you don't fall to the, to the ground. So you yeah. fall like carts, you know. Can, can I ask, is there, are there any lessons that um, you, know, you can apply to the rest of your life that you've learned from making these towers? Oh, a lot of, a lot of lessons. Uh, you have you have to learn to cooperate. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, uh, it's a perfect example of team building. <laughs> uh, of, of, of yeah, absolutely. Yeah, uh, it's fest uh, and it's party also. I mean, it's a, it's a, after the tower you have a lot of activities. So, you know, you go you drinks. Uh, but you couldn't have a party no, no, before you do the tower. No, not before. We do the tower and after party, not before. <laughs> well, Mikel, thank you so much for telling us about this. No, yeah, it was a pleasure. And, and I have to say, it's not, it's not that dangerous. We are crazy, but not that much. <laughs> it's now the part in our show where we like to take a moment to stop and thank our sponsors. These are people who have given us money, who have provided the capital we need to bring you this show every week. This week, support comes from Stamps.com who want you to know that with the holidays fast approaching, the post office is getting busier by the minute. Actually, the speed at which uh, holidays are approaching is not faster than at any point. That speed is always the same. It's a constant. It's just regular time. Time is a constant. Um, So the holidays are not so much fast approaching as uh, approaching at the speed with which they've always approached. Also approaching is Saturday. Another way to look at it is with every passing second, previous holidays get further and further away, and we forget all that happened during them. Those precious memories 
are disappearing with each passing second. But if you want to send somebody a thank you note, you're going to need a stamp. And that's where stamps.com can help. Uh, They can help you buy and print official U.S. postage for any letter or package by just using your computer and printer. Right now, sign up for stamps.com and get this special offer, a four-week trial. Again, uh, those 28 days will pass at the same speed they always have, uh, plus postage and a digital scale. Go to stamps.com, click on the microphone, and type in everything. Hey, Angela, what can we help you with? So, um, well, actually, I I had a couple of questions. Um, The first question I had is I was wondering if there's a specific reason why the alphabet is ordered the way it is. Oh, well, that's a good question. You know, like like the very first people who invented the alphabet, like, is there a reason why it was in that order? I think they just put it in alphabetical order. <laughs> well, I think that's the, it's the lyrics to the song. And did you know that, um, I looked this up, did you know the, the longest word in English uh, in which the letters are in alphabetical order? Do you know what it is? No. According to the source I read, and I have a number of reasons to question this source, but they gave me that the they they gave me the word is beefily. What word is that? Beefily, like uh, an oh. adverb. Wait. To you know, he ran he ran down the road, beefily. Beefily, as beef would run. Wait a minute. What beefily. is like? Like he has a lot of muscles as he's running down the road. I guess. Yeah. So what what is that word again? Why does that each letter in that word oh, it's in alphabetical order see. from b to y beefily i thought the word would be longer like i said there's a number of reasons to question that source one it seems like the word should be longer two the word is beefily um so that was one of the questions i had but i was driving home once while i was watching the sunset and i kind of drive west on my way home and i was thinking like how fast would I have to drive in order to keep up with the sunset and like continually watch the sunset as while driving? I, I've wondered that too when, you know, when traveling across time zones, how long basically could you make that last? Right. All right. We're going to, we're going to look into this for you. All right. Awesome. All right, Angela. I think this sunset question, I think that the right person to go to here is Sam. Uh, we, he's a math student we've had on, on before. So, Sam, before we begin, uh, we have to ask, are you skipping class to, to help us answer this question? Okay, yeah. So, I'm skipping class again for this, and this time I'm missing um, math class. I, are we going to set you back in your development as a mathematician? Uh, I don't think so. I mean, we're, we're only taking a test today, so it's not a big deal. Well, wait. Will you get credit? Because we have a math question for you. Does that, uh, can you apply that to your math studies? Well, I try to ask my teacher to see if I can get extra credit, but he's not a big fan of just, like, giving out extra credit. Well, we'll, here's what we'll do. Just to give you the best chance of actually getting class credit for this, we will ask it in the form of a story problem. Okay, cool. Okay. If Angela is driving her car west towards the sunset, how fast would she need to drive her car uh, in order to see the sunset forever? Well, we know a few things. That we know Earth is a sphere. Yes. And we know that the orbit, like how Earth orbits the sun, the shape it makes is like an ellipse, so it's not really perfectly round. And Earth is on a 23-degree tilt. Okay. So those two things are going to make it really complicated because the, the speed you're going to need to be going is going to be changing because the Earth rotates in not a perfect circle, and it's also tilted. 
So based on the time of the year and where, where she's driving, like on what latitude, it's going to change how fast she needs to be going. Mm, all right. So like, let's say if she was driving around the equator, like, well, she needs to be going just over 1,000 miles an hour, like 1,038 miles an hour, like on average, like yearly basis. Like I just would, I just like average it throughout the year. Sure. But, like, before she started driving, she needs to get, like, a lot of sunscreen because she'd be out in the sun for a long time. Yeah. For forever, potentially. Yeah. Maybe, like, SPF 3.14. Uh, that actually doesn't sound very strong. Well, I mean, if you're driving around dirt, it's probably a good number to have. Yeah, I, I, think, you're, I think you're right about that. Is that a pie joke? Yeah, it's a pie joke. All right. Okay. So, um, all right. So that's, that's the equator number. Are we going to get a huge amount of variation as we move towards the poles? As you get uh, closer to one of the poles, there's the speed you're going to need to be going to still be um, able to see the sun is going to be less because that circumference that you're traveling is going to get smaller because, like, eventually, once you're at the poles, you know, there isn't really, like, much you can travel. Like, you're going to eventually be at one point. Mm-hmm. So as we got closer to the poles, I calculated... Since we're recording this in Chicago, I calculated how fast you'd be going if you were, like, at a Chicago latitude. And you're going to need to be going, like, 771 miles an hour to always see the sun on average per year. All right. That's getting more more reasonable. Yeah. So, I mean, if you have, like, a really, really fast car, you could probably do it. So then I guess, like, I guess if we move all the way to the North Pole, she really just has to stand there and turn around. Yeah, pretty much. Just and do she donuts. doesn't even need to turn around that quickly. Like, she could like look one direction, take a coffee break, and then keep turning, and then stop again and take a nap. Really, your only your only challenge there is you potentially get dizzy. Yeah, you only need to turn around like one time in twenty four hours. Wow, but the sunburn would probably be pretty bad. Yeah, and then you need like much higher SPS. Do you have a North Pole joke for that one? I don't know. I got to think of one. No, it's early. Do you have any North, North no. Pole jokes? No. Well, here's a here's a North Pole joke. How does Santa Claus take take pictures? How does he take pictures? With his North Polaroid. What do you get if you cross Santa with a detective? What? Santa clues. <laughs> <laughs> uh, do you know what Adam said on the day before Christmas? What? It's Christmas Eve. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think we've uh, we've really helped out Angela today. Th- thank you. Yeah, I hope Angela enjoys her time traveling around the earth. Um, and please tell your teacher that uh, we are awarding you nine advanced placement credits. All right, I'll be sure to tell them. Thank okay. you so much. All right. Thanks, Sam. All right, well, that does it for this week's episode, really, for all episodes of this show. Uh, what what did we learn, Mike? Well, I learned that uh, beefily is one of the longest words where all the letters are in alphabetical order. I think that, yeah, I mean, as I said, I'm, I'm not, uh, I have my doubts about the source from which that comes. Those, de- those letters are definitely in alphabetical order. It's just I wonder if beefily is actually a word. Can you think of any occasion to use that? I think one thing you don't want to say is, I love you beefily. Unless you're dating somebody named beefily. How to Do Everything uh, is produced by Candace Mattel. In the past, it's been produced by Blythe Haga, uh, Nadia Wilson, Steven Tobias, Sarah Geis, Jillian Donovan, 
I think that's it. Well, there was a time when we didn't have a producer and we had to do it ourselves. Right. Those are probably episodes that are best forgotten. Technical direction from Lorna White. Our artist in residence is Justin Witte. Our interns this week are Eric. Eric did a lot of uh, calculating for us and actually solved some of the physics problems that maybe you noticed earlier in the show. Catherine, uh, who's in charge of testing us all for disease, apparently we all got 100% on that test. Thanks, Catherine. And our final intern is Austin, who just turned eight. His birthday's today. Happy birthday, Austin. You cannot send us your questions. Normally we'd say you can send us your questions at this point, but you can't anymore. Well, uh, we should say this has been so much fun making this show with you um, and uh, learning things with you, answering your questions, and and in most cases, let's be honest, not answering your questions. So um, thank you. Thank you for, um, you know, uh, listening all this time. And, you know, when we started the show, uh, we never intended to host it. We were just going to be the producers. uh, And I don't know why that happened. I don't think anyone else maybe wanted to do it. But we ended up doing it. Uh, and if you, I guess if you listen to some of those earlier episodes, you can probably tell that. Honestly, you can, just from recent episodes, you can tell that. So, yes, thank you. Thank you for, uh, for putting up with us for, I guess, 265 episodes. It's a lot of shows. Yeah, we should, we really should stop now. That's, that's, honestly, that's too many shows. Suddenly, on the final day, Mike saw before him a blinding light. When his vision cleared, he looked across the table in the studio and saw an empty chair. He asked Candace, Where's Ian? Where's Ian? She looked puzzled. She opened her mouth to speak, but stopped before a single word came out. Mike could tell from the look on her face there was no Ian. There had never been, or rather... Ian had been inside of him all this time, a manifestation of his better self, just as there is an Ian inside of all of us. I know I have an Ian inside of me, and I'm just a disembodied voice. Mike stood up and left the studio, never to return. He went to the soda machine and got a can of seltzer water. It was cold, and it was good.